Truck it. I'm Junior here with Michael Vincent, the dude, and we're coming to you live from the Domestic Supply Chain Summit. What's up, man? Hey, good summit to you, my friend. Isn't it kind of nice to have one of these year-end re- year-end recap summits? You know, I like the bookend ones because we get to look back on 2021 20, and we get to look forward to 22. And I remember yeah. we were sitting here about a year ago and. Uh, we probably had a brighter outlook for 21. We're like, maybe in the second, third quarter, <laughs> yeah, things right. would improve. And um, it turns out a lot of those symptoms that we talked about, a lot of those symptoms we diagnosed at the end of 20, yeah. they just festered and they got worse throughout the year. Yeah, you're Especially absolutely the right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, starting to trying to come out of uh, of COVID pre or you know, post COVID. I don't even know if we're post COVID yet. We're still in it, I guess. Right? People are calling it post COVID in like in December of 2020. We're like, hold on. Yeah, a wait, wait, yeah, yeah. This thing's still going on out here. <laughs> yeah. Still um, some stuff going on. <laughs> we've got a lot of great guests to get to, but before we do, I saw a commercial right before we went on air. It was this, oh, yeah, this yeah. Tive tracker. I don't know if you guys know what these Tive trackers are, but I guess you put these on your freight and they track your freight wherever it goes. And Tive, I think we have one on the tree, you too. We got the on freight mini Christmas tree yeah, over here. Maybe. Everyone's been sending us ornaments. I don't know if, if you did, but if you did, they're on our tree. Anyways, this commercial, and it's and Santa Claus, right? This kid, yeah. he has like his dad leaves a Tive tracker on the table, and he puts it inside the tin of cookies. That's right. Santa Claus comes. Santa Claus actually takes the entire tin with yes. him, and he takes off, and now the kid can track Santa Claus. But my question for you is... Is it kind of a faux pas for Santa Claus to take the entire tin? I would be like sort of shocked if I woke up and like my mug of milk or the actual tin of cookies was gone. <coughs> you know, you know, I don't know. I thought about this and, and I thought at first I thought, no, you shouldn't take the whole tin. Yeah. I don't think you take the plate. Yes. If there's a plate. Yeah. But a tin is kind of, isn't that the gift box? Kinda. I guess so. You're saying it's okay. Take the tin. I think if I brought you a tin and said, "Hey, Merry Christmas," and handed it to you, and I, and I asked for the tin back, you'd be like, "What? What the hell, dude?" All right. Well, Santa Claus, because <laughs> my house, the expectation is one take the tin from. There you his go. House. If you're watching Santa Claus, one cookie, move on. Hey, we're a podcast that happens three times a week: Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, live at noon Eastern time. We're also on demand, and you can look us look up what the truck wherever you get your podcast to listen to it in your ears, or download the Freightways TV app to watch it. And if you saw Friday's show. You know, yeah. it was the big University of Arkansas show, right? We had the school on. They called the hogs. We had a yeah. great time. We were talking about the rise of supply chain education. I still say we won that contest. I think we did, too. We did a pretty good job for some novices. We killed it. We're I a little think we killed it. Yeah, baby. All right. Well, let's go. Let's, let, let's go back over. Let's go back to Arkansas. We'll go to Arkfest it. now. It's Steve Leonard. He's the chief sales and customer engagement Officer over there, also a University of Arkansas grad. I think that's a prerequisite to work uh, at Arkbester in the Arkansas area in freight, is it not? <laughs> that's right. It certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> hey, Steve, what do you think the odds are we're going to ask you to call the hogs later? I don't know. They warned me about that. I, I don't know if I'm up to that, but I mean, I'll do whatever you guys ask. How about that? <laughs> well, you know, this has been a year that I. Partners, providers have been a big thing, and partnerships, yeah. the, the companies that have had the best partnerships have functioned the best, especially in a year that, as we talked in our lead-in, had been, we thought there would be some clear some clear air. It turned out that sure. maybe not. It was just as disruptive and black swanny as ever. But how can providers like you help your customers um, navigate some of these supply chain disruptions, especially the rising demand that happens at a time like now in peak season? Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, demand's at an all-time high. And even more so during peak. So, you know, our customers are trying to address, uh, you know, some of these COVID-related pressures from consumers. They're also trying to overcome 
one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging uh, supply chain environments in our history. Uh, and at ArcBest, you know, what we're doing is we're approaching every uh, partnership with flexibility and creativity. Um, once we understand a customer's supply chain challenges, then we're able to deliver uh, or, you know, some changes or a new approach, sometimes even just a small adjustment to their current approach uh, that can really make a difference. Once we do that, we leverage the power of our integrated solutions and ability to be a partner, not just a provider, uh, to get the job done. And so a couple of points there I'm trying to make. One, integrated solutions. If you think about ArcBest, uh, we deploy multiple modes of transportation through really an integrated approach, and that allows our customer uh, to meet the increased demand without having to change providers and ensures that our customers are doing a great job for their customer and so that their customer really doesn't feel the strain of the current environment. And then the other point is that we want to be a partner, not a provider. And so uh, we approach every customer relationship as a two-way street. In other words, we're in this together. Uh, and in this environment, that's a non-negotiable. Um, it's critical that we not only provide the right solutions, but act as an extension of the customer's team to help them exceed. Um, we do that through constant two-way communication. So we listen, uh, we want to understand our customer's business, and then we use our expertise uh, to do a better job for our customers so they can do better for their customer. Um, and then, you know, when you think about that, when our customers succeed, we succeed. And so that's, uh, that's been our approach in this challenging time. That's a solid point. When they're looking for providers and people to help them navigate through these murky waters, it's not just uh, it, it's not just the tech. You need to have that sentiment from the experts and that true partnership. It's an excellent, solid point that you brought up there. In these kind of situations that we're in, customers right now, what is the top uh, concerns on their mind or solutions on their mind, and what should be really on their minds right now? Yeah, yeah, great question. So you know. Our customers, you know, over the last, you know, through 2021, last couple of years, you know, have been focused on safe shipping practices. A lot of that has to do with, you know, COVID-19 protocols and that type of thing. And that's still important. But with the rising pressure and peak season, um, we know they'll need even more focus on how they're going to meet consumer demand uh, amid all of the issues that we're having, you know, capacity shortages, material shortages uh, and port congestion. So, you know, we're we're helping our customers with supply chain optimization. That's that's something that we do a lot of. Uh, and, and when you do that, then you're able to uh, really source capacity in a way that you're maximizing that capacity. So more than ever, customers need you know, solutions that incorporate agility and flexibility um, in the disrupted supply chain. So as I mentioned, you know, our customers are facing the same challenges that we're all facing. You know, they're having a hard time with labor. They have a hard time, you know, getting materials. Obviously, the capacity shortage, and I know you guys talk a lot about that, and then port, port congestion. So we, you know, work closely with our customers to build strategies that sometimes change or improve their, their current supply chain. And so with, with that integrated approach, we leverage multiple modes. You know, we have over 70,000 capacity providers that allow us, again, to maximize the customer's ability to get products uh, in the hands of the consumers and meet the rising demands, especially around, around retail peak, but really any, any day of the year, uh, that's, that's what we're trying to do. And so, uh, you know, a couple of examples of that. One thing that, that you know, we've seen some success with lately on a, on a particular customer is just looking at their entire supply chain. Uh, the particular example I'm thinking about is a customer that imports goods from China. 
Um, and, you know, they, they kind of had a traditional model. They would import the West Coast and then distribute domestically. Uh, we looked at what they were doing and, and maybe, you know, and where the, the freight was coming from. And we were able to suggest changing ports and then um, applying or utilizing a couple of different modes of transportation domestically, uh, which was, you know, on the surface, a pretty big change to them. But after examining and kind of looking at what, what we were proposing, it, it turned out to be a great a great solution for them. Uh, we changed the port of entry and then, uh, you know, we're able to distribute goods and get them to where they need to be on time. Um, but it, it took some creativity. And so that's one of the things that we pride ourselves in. And, you know, at times, another example is just looking at simple things like scheduling uh, to make sure you're maximizing capacity. One example of that would be just understanding how goods are being bought and sold um, and, and understanding the timing of that so that we may uh, suggest holding freight and building better loads to where we can, again, use the capacity that we have efficiently. Uh, you know, if you think about a, an example would be if a customer is maybe just shipping repetitive LTL shipments, there may be opportunities to consolidate that. It may mean that you hold it, but then maybe we speed up with a truckload with multi-stop, something like that. So, you know, kind of sum that up. I mean, customers are looking for flexibility and agility. And you guys have mentioned, I mean, it's a challenging environment. And so, uh, you know, as logistics people, we, we've got we've to have our, uh, our thinking caps on. We've got we to be at our best. And uh, so that means we've got to be great listeners. And we pride ourselves in that. And then you can't be afraid to offer something that's, that's unique or new. Um, and you know, and that's, that's what happens. That's what we have to do to address this new normal that we're all living in. Excellent, Steven. So what should shippers be looking out for in Q1? Yeah, you know, I think it's more the same, honestly. I mean, everything that we're looking, you know, that we're looking at now, uh, says that there, you know, this driver shortage is not going to get, uh, you know, corrected overnight. We know that's going to still be an issue. Um, again, if I'm a shipper, I'm looking for someone that can come alongside me and look for ways to maybe rethink some of these just traditional uh, processes and, 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 and kind of, you know, shipping processes that they've had. That, to me, has been where we've really made a difference. Let's work together, look for a new way uh, to do this. And at our best, we have the capability set, the people, uh, the analysts, you know, we're just well equipped to do that. Well, Stephen, it looks like you guys are pretty well set to tackle next year. Can you sum up this past year for uh, ArcBest? Well, you know, I think like a like a lot of folks, it's been a it's been a challenging year in a lot of ways. But again, uh, just a phenomenal year for us. We've seen a lot of growth. Um, like I mentioned, you know, we are seeing customers uh, really desire the things that we that we bring to the table. Integrated solutions, uh, people that want to be partners and build relationships. We really focus on listening and understanding, uh, you know, our customers' business. We want to make them better for their customers. And so with that approach, you know, we, we're really well positioned to, to take care of our customers. And uh, we've seen that play out very well, uh, you know, over the course of this year. And, uh, you know, if you follow our company at all, we've, we've got some great results. And so we're, we're just super excited about the success we're having here at ArcBest. Yeah, we'll transfer that excitement into your best hog call because it's time to call the hog, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. It's time to call the hog. Now, one thing you guys got to work on, you know, if you're a true Fayetteville, you know, I, I saw yours in the beginning, and yeah. it was good, 
but you've got to kind of have that little, there's a little yelp at the beginning. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to do one run at this. And yeah. so okay. you kind of start with that. Okay. And so you gotta you gotta emphasize, okay? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah I got like it. A little, you gotta, you gotta like give that. that. You gotta yeah, give you that. You gotta start. You kind of gotta. Oh, there it is. You kind of gotta get that going. <laughs> I love it. All right, I'll give you that. Too. There I got you go. You got, it. you got it. All right. Well, Steven, thank you so much. Go check out Arc Best for all your all your needs next year, this year. We still got a few weeks left, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Hey, hey guys, one one thing I wanted to mention as we yeah. close. Uh, you know, we, we've all heard about the closure of Central Freight Lines. Our heart yep. goes out to all those folks affected by that. And we wanted to just mention, hey, we've been consistently hiring logistics professionals, drivers, dock workers. Uh, you know, if anyone's interested, we encourage you to go to our website, arcb.jobs, or re reach out to one of our recruiters on, on LinkedIn. We'd love to talk to you. David, I'm so Excellent. glad you mentioned it. Thank you one more time. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and the ArcVest family. You know, in the newsletter yesterday, I yeah. so I put out a post on LinkedIn. We heard about CFL, and this is something I oh, had yeah. done when Falcon happened and had a lot of great success. Actually, sure. a good friend of mine, Shelly Brown, she got a job through that. Um, when Falcon happened, when Celadon happened, we did the same thing. We said, sure. if anyone's hiring, let us know. We'll put it all in a post. So now we've got the newsletter, too. So on the newsletter that came out on Tuesday, I put a, all of those inbound uh, leads that I got about jobs that are available to CFL workers. I put those all in the newsletter. Go and check them out. There's direct links to the people on LinkedIn who you can talk to who are actually hiring. So you might even be able to skip the line on going through uh, computer auto-sending resumes into the abyss and all that nonsense. Yeah, go check them out. All the people we tried to get to on the show, you got them on that. I saw that yesterday. It yeah, was it was excellent. really cool. It was Good really job. cool. So uh, now coming up, we have get David Stone, Senior Director of Freight Brokerage over at Ryder. And um, you know what? He is a New Mexico Lobos, uh, home to one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Oh, is that right? Eddie Guerrero. Ooh. Also, I believe wow. they're the first female kicker ever in uh, Division Oh, she's the first 1A. one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. thanks for joining us today. <laughs> yeah, for sure, guys. And and the crazy thing about that is Katie actually played on my team. So I was there with her during that time. So there's oh, your right. uh, almost famous story. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very your, cool. Your brush with fame right there or her brush with fame? Yeah. Which one? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it's me with her. But uh, hey, if we're if we're doing college chants here, I think the Lobos one is the best one, right? Everyone's a Lobo, woof woof woof, nothing. <laughs> Everyone's a Lobo, woof woof woof. <laughs> we can do that. There man. it is. <laughs> Call the Lobos. <laughs> so look, we know in football, a big role is the kicker, the place kicker, kicking it through. In uh, what is the role of technology though in brokerage? See how they tied tied that oh, in? Man. I see what <laughs> and you why did there. technology is only as good as your relationship is, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the more and more that we go throughout this industry, right? And I mean, we talk about it a lot in terms of the technology that's coming out. What's the latest and greatest? Uh, just yesterday, I was putting together a presentation in terms of what technology we even use uh, here inside the brokerage. Um, but I think at the end of the day, right, technology is only as good as that relationship that you have. And I mean, especially in terms of shippers, carriers, um, any technology that we have has to be centered around that relationship that you have with these folks. Um, and so it doesn't matter if it's a tracking uh, technology for a carrier or if it's the latest and greatest uh, pricing tool that's going to get you the best possible prices for an RFP that a shipper's sending over. Um, it's all based on do you have a relationship with the folks that you're, uh, that you're doing business with. And I think that's really one of the things that, uh, that kind of sets Rider apart from uh, some of our competitors uh, is we're always focused on that long game. We're always focused on that relationship and building out that relationship. We want to be partners. And guess what? If, uh, if that means that we can't do business today, that's fine. Uh, we'll continue to 
push down to get you the best possible technology that's going to serve and support your business. Uh, it's going to serve and support a carrier. Um, I think you guys had um, uh, Kendra Phillips on earlier today, uh, and she was talking all about the great things that Rider Technology is doing. Mm -hmm. um, and those are fantastic. Um, but at the end of the day, it always still boils back into the simplest and basic of conversations. And that is talking with folks and understanding what their issues are, understanding their problems, understanding what their barriers are, and then providing the solution. And sometimes that solution is technology. Sometimes that solution is as simple as, uh, you know, the, the easiest thing that you can go off and do for that given shipper, that given carrier. Yeah. So, David, I mean, that's an argument that's been had for, for a long time. Does digitization get rid of the voice broker? And I think it enhances it. And that's what you're talking about yep. right here, right? You digitize that which you can for more efficiency and better costing. But that relationship, that knowledge is there. The solution-based brokerage, it gives you that chance to be the solution provider and not just that person that's sitting in between and that, that kind of nebulous intermediary. Can you talk well, about... Well, hold on one second. Yeah, you're ahead. bringing a great point. I just want to add one thing to yeah. it. Because when, when you're talking about technology, right, and this comes up and people are, oh, relationships are important. I, I highly agree. You're talking about technology more as like driver assist for the broker. We've both yes. worked in brokerage. Yes. And there's a ton of work you don't need to do that could that's be right. automated. And there's Busy a ton work. of high-touch stuff. So yeah. what you're really trying to do is give people the opportunity to deal with that higher-touch stuff, right? More free time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, when you look at the broker, right, at, at the end of the day, the, the, the best brokers are the ones that figure out how to use that technology so that the things that are mundane and just kind of everyday same piece, whether that's building a load inside of a TMS uh, or whether that's doing something that they have to do every single day and it's not value added to the customer. Um, th those are the things that technology really helps and supports. But really, and, and something that I think Amazon did a really good job years ago doing um, is they put the customer first in every aspect. And if it wasn't value added to the customer and the customer didn't want to pay for it, then they really didn't utilize that. And so I think that's where you have to draw the line between what is good technology versus what is just being a good broker and picking up the phone and talking with the customer. Right, right. So let's talk about that, right? So you got the you got the digitization there, and you're letting these experts actually do their job and build these relationships. Talk about how that provides the solutions to give them the ability to really help navigate through the disruptive nature of our business these days. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know some of that technology that really allows us to to be successful on that is is seen around the corners. Um, I mean, we're talking about some of the worst freight markets that any of us have ever seen, um, and it's been going on for a while, right? Uh, but that technology that we have and that ability to understand where we've been and where we need to go allows us really to be the market experts to our shippers. It allows us to provide them information that maybe they didn't know, maybe they didn't see before, maybe they didn't understand before. Um, and sometimes that technology kind of asks more questions than it gives answers to. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the goal is to provide a solution based on everything that you have in front of you. And some of that's technology, some of that's just understanding the market just in a general sense. Uh, some of that's just the relationship that you have with the shipper and understanding really where they want to go with things. Um, but the technology should only help. It should never hinder. It should never um, take back from the overall goal, which is to move that customer forward. Um, and so it, it kind of goes back to that first point that I made, which is always playing the long game. If you're looking at a customer not as a one-month, two-month, three-month type of uh, pricing event or, or uh, an evolution of moving some loads with a given customer, but you're looking at it from the standpoint of what do they have planned for this year, next year, the five years from now, and understanding what that market's telling you based on the technology and understanding where your technology can fit in with where they want to go and what they want to do, then that's really the relationship that that, uh, that, that shipper really needs to understand uh, where they can go next. You know, and, they, and we all kind of need therapy after this year, especially like the shipper vendor relationships. There's, no, there's been so many challenges because 
you know what? Yeah. There's not this, as much as we try freight ways, there's not like this omniscient market knowledge and this omniscient freight knowledge that everyone has. So right. there's always that reflexive action of the vendor or the shipper or the retailer, whoever it may be. If their freight's not there in time, they're upset and they want to blame the next nearest party, which is the person sure. who helped move that freight, right. regardless of if it's part yep. of their condition. Um, it, it's been tough, man. So what are some of the challenges that you've faced in this environment, especially with customers and, and solving them and getting those solutions uh, handled? Especially, you know, you mentioned that relationship thing. Let's go even deeper on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, right, and I've sat on this side of things. I've, I've run buildings. I've been on, on the shipper side of things. Um, I think at the end of the day, all the shipper really wants is that peace of mind, that confidence that, hey, I can go to bed at night, know that my freight's going to pick up, know that it's going to deliver, know that I'm not going to get a call at two o'clock in the morning telling me that something is broke. Um, and unfortunately, in, in this industry and in logistics in general, right, things break, things happen, um, and you got to be able to provide a solution in spite of everything else uh, that's going on. So I think, you know, having that understanding of really starting from the customer and working backwards um, allows us really to understand really what it is that we can do for them to put them at ease, to give them that peace of mind. Um, a lot of the things we talk about from a tracking of loads uh, is based on that, right? But it's not just a tracking of loads for the sense of tracking. It's a tracking so that you provide that transparency so that the customer knows everything about their load at any given time. Um, and it's that ability to understand when things are not tracking correctly or not moving in the direction you expect them to move in is being able to pick up the phone still and call those customers and talk with them about it. Um, and I think that's really what this whole relationship is based on is the idea that we are a partner in this. And my job is to make sure that you have everything you need to feel comfortable about your business, whether that's a big business, a small business, it doesn't matter. The, the, the conversation remains the same from a shipper's perspective, which is just give me my freight and give it to me on time. And if you can do that um, and we can talk through the prices and everything else that goes into that. But at the end of the day, just give me my freight. And as long as it's on time then we can move from there. Um, and that's really what we focused on heavily here at Ryder is making sure that we start with that customer, start with that service aspect, make sure that service is there. We all talk about it. We all say service is king and we're going to do everything for it. Uh, but when push comes to shove, the ability to understand when things are not moving in the direction because you have technology that's allowing you to understand when things are broke and being able to come up with a better solution for that customer in that given period of time, that's really where customers are going to be uh, your customer for life. Yeah, and during that phone call, when things aren't going that right that correctly, you need somebody like a rider in that in that room that's got the knowledge, got the weight, got to pull the relationships to have solutions ready ready for you, right? And sure. that's what you got to do. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those. What are some of the wins? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you mentioned it spot on. And, and somebody like a rider, where we have eighty five years of experience inside of this business, right? Um, we've been moving freights. Uh, we've been partnering with. Uh, uh, with customers. We've been partnering with carriers uh, for a very long time. And so we have the know-all, we have the wherewithal to understand where we can go, what we can do. Um, and the great thing about that is, is really it provides a ton of flexibility uh, to our customers. And so whether it's a customer that needs one pallet of uh, material moved into the tornado region inside of Kentucky, uh, which we recently just completed, or it's the customer that needs a full solution and a fully managed transportation deal um, that has additional volume on top of that uh, that they need managed as well. Uh, those are things that we can provide, and those are things that, uh, that really we can support. And I think the, the message on that whole piece is the flexibility, right? So Rider provides that flexibility, uh, that ability for a customer to know for any issue or any um, barrier that they are having to their success, uh, Ryder has the ability to step in and provide that solution to them. It's not just a brokerage solution, right? It is everything under the sun uh, when it comes to being able to move their freight form. 
Yeah, hey David, thanks for mentioning the um, thanks for mentioning what happened over there in Kentucky too. Those yeah. tornadoes in Tennessee and in Illinois, it was a major devastation. Two of the two terrible things happened yeah. over the weekend: that yeah. Central Freight Line shut down and that big massive oh, uh, tornado just tearing through everything. So. I'm glad we were able to uh, address those. Hey, one more time, thank you to Ryder for coming on the show. You and the Ryder family have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You as well, guys. We'll talk soon. Take care. And uh, go Lobos. What was that thing one more time? What was that? Go, everyone's a Lobo. Everyone's a Lobo. Woof, woof, woof. I love That's it. I love it. Any That's excuse scary. to be a hand it, puppet. It's scary. If I see that walking into a stadium, I'm very scared. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, hey, a couple comments here. Anthony Calandre says, love what the truck. Of course, well, hey, a little cowbell for you. We love you, too. Shelly, working for the weekend. She says, what the truck is great. I agree. <laughs> uh, Mike Liam says, bingo, it all comes down to relationships. It sure Absolutely does, it Mike. Does. Thank you for tuning in. By the way, if you register for this, and you must have if you're watching this, unless you're on LinkedIn, go to live.freightways.com. You can win, like, that really expensive, awesome stove. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You need one of those stoves? Uh, I could use one. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Hey, no one's got an exciting game coming up. Adam Compain, SVP of product marketing at Project 44. Oh, he does. Wolverine grad. Oh, he is. Not currently is. on the team, but you know, once a Wolverine, always a Wolverine. He was there, wait, early eight or like 2007, something like that. Adam, you think Georgia stands a chance? Oh, come on. No way. No way. I, but hey, guys, you didn't tell me I needed hand signals to come on the show. I've got them if we need them. But, uh, oh, what do you got? Show, show us your best. No, I'm joking. I got nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, uh, one round of hail to the victors is fine. <laughs> well, hey, tell, tell me something here. So uh, 2021, tough year, Project 44, you know, in our last segment, we sort of talked about the real importance of understanding the market, especially on both the carrier side, the shipper side, the vendor side. Everyone needs to know, or else we start blaming the next closest person to us, the next closest person in the house, and it all goes downhill from there. Yeah. Give us a little bit of a recap, though, because uh, you know what's interesting, too? If, if I'm not mistaken, you come from the clear metal side, so you joined Project 44 by acquisitions. You have an interesting perspective of the clear metal and the P44 side. So what's 2021 been like from the data and analytic point of view? Yeah, I'd say an interesting one in the very least. I mean, if you think about it, we're seeing two things happen. First, our position has always been that customer expectations have continued to rise through the roof. At the same time, supply chain disruptions are not stopping. I'm sure we'll talk about the outlook for 2022 shortly. Um, but I'd, I'd add two things here. First, you know, shippers, 3PLs, carriers are all and have been in need for quite some time for better, better digitization, better software to do what they do. Um, what we're seeing now and by way of acquisition or organic growth is the reality that in the visibility segment and actually beyond that in the workflow segment as well in supply chain, having something unified, having something global and having something truly multimodal is now possible. Um, that's kind of, I think, what you're what you're uh, remarking. On the other hand, we've seen a huge swath of data here at Project 44 that quantifies the magnitude of some of these supply chain delays, and that's obviously a huge component of of the software. But more importantly, the overall value we're delivering to customers that work with us. So, Adam, as we look forward into 22, what can we what can we look like? What's the expo expectations in 2022, uh, other than Halloween costumes finally getting here by 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 Valentine's Day? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in, in summary, you look at the general press and I think uh, we can modulate it a bit. Uh, on one hand, customer consumer shouldn't necessarily be panicking, right? There is cause for concern, but it's not the case that we're going to have nothing on the shelves. At the same time, you know, there are some indicators out there that I've read in the general press that, hey, things are getting better and things are shaping up uh, pretty swell. That's also not the case. I mean, if you look at some key indicators like uh, Project 44 data showing export containers taking two times longer to get through the port than import containers. Think of the downstream effects, right? That's going to have huge 
knock-on effects for mm-hmm. the amount of capacity coming out of places like Asia you know, in a few months from now. At the same time, if you look at indicators like blank sailings, you can see that the ripple effect keeps going. So I'd say as a summary, general outlook is continued challenge, but we're all not strangers to this, right? 2015, oversupply, freight rates fell off a cliff, that caused a ripple effect. 2017, if my dates are right, um, port strikes and other things. So these things are going to take a while and therefore using just our own collective uh, history here, we know they will, but even looking at data like Project 44s, we can see pretty clear quantitative indicators of what, what will come. You know, has anything in, improved, though? You know, Gene Soroka, Port of LA, they've been working 24-7 right. at trying to convince through the media that things have improved, but we've been seeing what the real <laughs> vessel counts look like and the throughput, and we're still hearing about all of these challenges. So what has gotten better? Yeah, so a couple, I mean, it's, it's a good point. Ves, the ve- amount of vessels waiting off of LA Long Beach has declined, especially through the second half of November. That's what that's what Project 44 data shows. At the same time, if you if you peel back a couple layers of the onion, you'll also find that the definition of uh, what's waiting is also changing. So you know, we took a look. We expanded uh, just last week that um, sort of geofence. You could think about it to 90 nautical miles. There there are actually 50 ships, not what you you know uh, typically look at to be 37 ships waiting or or slow steaming off of the port. So yeah, it is improving. We do see a decline, but at the same time, um, if you look at it real closely, it's still hugely problematic, especially given the size and capacity of these vessels. That's that's really interesting. And that's what we've been seeing as well. So as, as we move forward, when we go in and we talk about visibility and capacity and cost sustainability, what are the trends in these different areas that we need to keep an eye on? Yeah, sure. I, I think it's a number of things. I mean, you know, we look at some key indicators. We have a whole breadth of data. I think first, let's talk about delays, right? So delays uh, have increased year over year. We're looking at key export ports in China, like Qingdao and Yantian and, and Ningbo. We're talking 27 to 42% year-over-year increase in delays. Um, congestion is also rippling further. It's not just a West Coast ports issue, right? The third largest congested port our data shows behind Savannah and LA Long Beach is Felixstowe. We're watching Maersk, for example, reroute from Felixstowe often to, to Rotterdam, right? So first is kind of overall delays. Second is just let's keep our eye on the black swan events that keep on coming. You imagine, you know, uh, folks trying to get into the west coast of of the United States, rerouting up to Vancouver and trying to go uh, in by rail. Of course, then what happens? We've got a huge flood in in Vancouver. Um, so we look at delays. We look at kind of vessel congestion and port congestion. Um, you look at those indicators I talked about before in terms of the balance of import export supply and demand, as well as uh, blank slate uh, sailings as early indicators for the international segment. Um, so let, let me pause there. I'm kind of riffing, but we're seeing a lot that's tough. We can talk about, you know, what we see shippers doing or however you guys want to take it. Well, sure. I got a question for you. So, you know, we were talking about how coming into this year, there was some hope, right? There was people yeah. like, okay, the COVID's going to go back. Things will return to normal in the second half of the year. Um, and now we're at this point in the year. So I think we got to take the person who says, ah, we hope it gets better. You just got to smack them. Not for real. Smack them in effigy. Smack them in effigy. Slam their head into the table in effigy again. <laughs> just a fake, ver- their improv version and the prop work version of this person. Smash their head to the table. Throw them on the ground. Um, because you got to be resilient, right? So how do you remain resilient? We know this, right? We already made, you already made this mistake once going into this year if you didn't become resilient and you went by how your knee felt when you woke up in the morning. How do you remain resilient in 2022? 
Yeah, I, I think that's exactly the question of what we see being talked about uh, a lot these days. And let's let's turn the smack into silver lining, right? What we have seen when we, te- when we speak to executives uh, across the world who are working with Project 44, um, this has accelerated a lot of business change, a lot of hard network design changes, or at least the conversation to, to rejigger things. And what you're talking about agility, we've especially seen huge growth in what I like to you know, talk about as soft changes by way of using software. So as we look at 2022, the trends we're already seeing a ton of is first eager and very quick adoption of global, unified, and multimodal visibility solutions to answer the key question, where's my stuff, what's going on with it, and how to provide that more transparently to customers or to the the parties you you operate with. Um, Second to that is adding on top of visibility these workflow capabilities so that we can not just see, but actually do and help our customers do things uh, with it. We're talking about handling capacity through uh, products we recently released like Cooperative for 3PLs, which kind of uh, aggregates and shows uh, terminating capacity almost on a predictive basis. So we see core visibility uh, on top of that workflow. And this is all for one reason. It's more dynamic decision-making despite the mess that's out there. Secondly, is freeing the, the frontline professionals up to be more strategic and more customer-facing. And then third is even if things are a mess, like I mentioned, adding transparency to customers and putting that in our partner carrier and 3PL's hands so that they also can appear good stewards of, of the, the brands and the companies we rely on. Um, I think one layer on top of that is these soft network design changes, right? If you have at your fingertips, more dynamic lead times and better understanding of what's going on with a finger on the pulse, you actually can make those decisions, especially that freight rates are so high, to allocate freight from ocean to air for higher reliability, to change up service routing or carriers or, you know, in kind of the fulfillment zone, be able to source inventory or play it a bit differently. So those are some of the things that I would enumerate, but we're also seeing, you know, at the board and executive level, a whole bunch of questions and conversations around how do I get better supplier visibility of what's coming inbound? And do I need to shift those allocations? How do I look at my manufacturing volumes across the network and potentially modify that? And then we've seen business changes of all kind, shifts into e-commerce and direct consumer selling in the last mile segment. And the reverse, right? Shift into indirect channels for a different kind of margin profile for the business. Last of which is sustainability. And we can talk about that, but I sort of, uh, we've talked about how Sustainability is the one almost antidote that is giving shippers some tolerance to move things on, you know, a slower basis or a more cost-effective profile. Let me you pause know, we, there. That's a Adam. We we are almost out of time, so let me just ask you to sum it up in in like a minute or less. Um, sustainability. How much more important do you think it'll be next year? The push towards sustainability from consumers and from the sea level down. Um, how how strong do you think that push will be compared to this year, moving into next year? Sustainability is hugely important. Sitting here in North America, I think we're almost behind. Europe is already there and taking action, and we're not talking in the greenwashing sense, but in the real sense. Uh, what we'll be adding here is visibility around sustainability and carbon offsets. It's critically important for consumers, critically important for chief uh, executives, and that will be a major, major theme that we're at Project 44 lucky to be uh, riding the the wave on um, into 2022. Huge, huge uh, topic for us. 
Well, Adam, I hope uh, Michigan can sustain their, their winning streak and, uh, and take home that bowl for you or the playoff game for you. Uh, it's a good time. We're going to see Jet on Friday during a very What the Truck Christmas. We're yeah. really excited about that as well. All you listeners, noon Eastern time, live. We're having our Christmas special. We're going to have snow, gifts, cheer. It's going to be a great time. Be awesome. um, and also on demand afterwards. But one more time, Merry Christmas to you and the Project 44 family. Take care. Very much. Let's go over to Glenn Jones. He's the GVP of product strategy over at Bloom Global. He's going to try and maybe help us sum up some of these things that we have talked about. You know, we oh, okay. talked about the market environment, right? right. We talked about technology. Yep. Now, let's talk a little bit about how to collaborate and bring it all together, right? Let's tie the ribbon on the present. Yeah, let's Ooh, do it. Beautiful. Glenn, I like let's help us wrap some presents. I, I, I'm not very good at doing it myself. Hey, guys. Uh, how's it going? It's going good. It's <laughs> well, going uh, good. I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an Aggie around here, so uh, I think we got number 25 or 24. Uh, we got a, uh, we're heading out, I think, on the 31st of December. We got a game against Wake Forest. So go Aggies. Giggle Aggies. Aggies. Yeah. Oh. Taking in. Wake Giggle Forest. Aggies. Nice. All right. Yeah. Of, uh, that's going to be a tough one. Wake Forest is no, no cream puff, my friend. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, but, uh, we've had did get beat Alabama. They're only lost. Well, there you go. Glenn, you know, when you talk about two teams playing, that's one thing. When you talk about people in logistics arguing, that's another. And some would say, you know, the congestion is a big physical issue, right? It's a big infrastructure issue. There's just not enough space in L.A. But I think that forgives our lack of technological prowess throughout the supply chain, whether it comes down to appointment scheduling at the ports and these truckers, the dray truckers can't even get their empties back and nothing works properly to the way that cargo is put in unknown areas and people don't know where it is. We talk about visibility so much, but our tech is so far behind. How can tech help solve some of these disruptions? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's the growing question right now. And, you know, balloon, we're right in the middle of all this. I mean, we do a lot of the movement of goods on some of the largest freight forwarders and ocean carriers and uh, uh, shippers uh, in the world. We move the cargo in and out of the seaports pretty much around the world, a lot focused in the U.S. And uh, and so, you know, today uh, they're, they're, you know, both the ports are advancing their technology, the distribution centers, the whole supply chain. We're providing a lot of technology into trucking companies, drayage carriers to kind of help that happen. And it's a lot about the collaboration. And so number one on the list, of course, is visibility. And I think we're getting pretty close to have that, having that in place. And uh, so, so, you know, now that you understand how bad things are, how bad things can be, what can you do about it? So the next level is enabling to, or using technology to provide more agility into the supply chain. So now that I know my shipment's late or it's going to be six to 10 days late, what can I do about it? And how do I go about taking that action? I think, you know, technology can uh, start out for providing recommendations and uh, and then the underpinning supply chain underneath, you know, that the that, that, that technology enables needs to be able to take action on that. For example, you know, and, and you mentioned uh, the, the trucking companies, you mentioned the ports. Uh, the other big thing about moving cargo in and out of seaports, of course, is chassis. And they, they seem to be the, the missing piece these days. And so now, you know, more and more of the companies are putting IoT devices on, on the chassis. So you're able to track those, you know where mm -hmm. they are. But now they're sitting at a DC somewhere with a container sitting on top because the DC doesn't have labor to unload them. And so, you know, being able to provide that visibility and now understanding, okay, you know, I got to find a chassis. Uh, where are the chassis and, and where are the inventory of chassis? So the technology now provides visibility into all three of those pieces. The drayage carrier, 
the container and the chassis. And now you can go out to, you know, we just recently introduced a, a technology called uh, Carrier Go Live that's a marketplace for, for drayage carriers and chassis. And so now you can go to a marketplace and say, okay, it's a spot market. You know, how can I go find these resources in order to be able to move my container uh, out of the seaport? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you talk about the digitization and the visibility, you're saying we're getting there as far as the transparency and being able to see this stuff. How do we get the technology and how does this help enhance the collaboration? It seems like the collaboration is going to be actually the harder portion of this, no? Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, it's, uh, well, it's the next level. I wouldn't say, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the uh, in supply chain, uh, the problem always moves. You know, you fix one place and right. it shows up somewhere else, but there's no question that the next level is, and, you know, the, the at least in the United States, you know, the concept of smartphones, uh, having everybody now has smartphones and, and being able to provide that, uh, uh, the, the network. And, you know, having a network of the carriers, having direct connection to those carriers, being able to notify all the parties about what's happening and what the changes are in the supply chain. And then, uh, again, I, you know, I'll go back to my, the word agility to be able to say, OK, we're going to make a change now, notifying all the parties about what the change is. The parties being the seaport, uh, maybe the ocean carrier in a few cases, but more the, the drayage carrier and the DC and the shipper. And that marriage and, and, and digitization is actually enabling you know, the communications between those to smooth it out. You know, for example, um, you know, one of the things that's going on right now is, is there's you know, a lot of containers sitting in the, in the seaport and uh, you want to, uh, the shipper knows which one is the most important to get out of the seaport, but you know, the, the ocean freight forwarder is actually responsible for moving it. In the end, the drake carrier has to pick it up and move it out of the seaport. How does that shipper say, hey, this container of uh, Peloton bikes is the most important container to get out of it? And then so that's got to get communicated all the, across all the parties. And mm. and then you need the ability to say, okay, let's expedite that container. Now the seaport has to say, okay, that container is six down in a stack. Are you willing to pay $500 to be able to get that container out? And so all that's got to get communicated across and there's got to get an approval to say, yes, I'm willing to pay $500 to expedite getting that container out within the next six hours. And then also the DC, receiving DC has to say, okay, I have capacity to not only get that uh, container in and to unload it and get it ready to, to go to, to, to the next destination. You know, when I was an operator in this business, last time I was an operator was uh, 2018. And you could say for maybe the past 20 years in freight, you know, I don't go back that far, but yeah. um, we kind of been playing on easy mode, especially when it comes to ocean freight. It's been sure. cheap. It's been easier. It hasn't been that hard to find a vessel. Um, and what that led to, though, was a lot of laziness, right? Especially when it came to yep. digitization. A lot of, I remember in... 2016, right? When I was selling freight, sure. you'd go into companies and you'd be like, all right, we got this digital solution. They'd be like, get out there. We're just going to go and fax this person. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like they looked at you like you took a time machine to medieval times and we're showing them a cell phone. Like that's what it's like in this business sometimes. Has that changed though, especially due to the profound costs that some companies have to pay in shipping this year? Um, that must make the, the value proposition of digitalization at least seem somewhat more affordable. Yeah, no, there's no question. There's been a compelling reason to digitize, and that's why companies, you know, like uh, P44, Balloon Global, we've all done really well this this last year. The ocean carriers have done well too because they're making a lot more margin. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, it is. There's and and there is a um, a lot of companies that if they, you know. 
uh, if they weren't digitized before, they are today. And they're at least getting the, the fundamentals in there so that they can effectively understand what's happening right now and, and can help enable, you know, making those decisions about what do I need to do about it? Yeah. So let's talk about this. There's a lot of companies there that are, that are saying, hey, we're the future, et cetera. You, Bloom Global is no exception. You guys tout yourself as the future of technology. First, what does that mean? And what do you guys see? What do you see logistics technology heading? Where is it heading? Well, uh, you know, we, so one thing that's uh, happening across and, you know, we kind of, we provide a transportation management system. It's a lot broader than that, but you know, if you want to correlate it back, it's it's a it's a TMS that, that we have a network that we've curated over many years. And so, going forward, that's going to be the norm. I mean, you're going to have to have uh, as you install the digital technology. You know, the old on-premise is gone. It's pretty much has to be in the cloud because you want that network with it. That's what you're buying. You're buying, you know, uh, uh, not just the technology, but you're buying the connections, to, uh, the you know, all of your uh, supply chain partners, your trading partners. And so going forward, that'll be a, a must have. And now it's about, you know, how big is that? And, and, and you can, can you really negotiate that to, uh, um, or, or use that to, to negotiate better contracts, better availability, uh, and, and that network has to include, again, you know, in the, in the world uh, that we live in, it has to include chassis. It's not just, it's not just the, uh, the drayage carriers, the seaports, and, and the ocean carriers. So, you know, as we go forward in the, in the future, these platforms, uh, in, you know, have to have that kind of a network. And then also the ones that have been around longer will have a lot more of the data. And you can use that data in a lot of different ways. Of course, we know we use it to train uh, uh, machine learning engines. Of course, a lot, a lot of that is cleaning the data, making sure you have good data. And that takes a while to really understand. And then once you have the data cleaned and in a place, now you can develop the more advanced algorithms on, you know, uh, if, if, if a container's late, what are my options for getting that container on time to whatever the destination, or I should say the cargo on time. Well, Glenn, before we let you, courses, yeah. oh no, go, go ahead. Yeah. You're, you're, okay. Well, before we let you go, I, I had a question that sort of came yeah. up from what all that you were saying. Now, you, anyone who's a scientist like myself, if you do experiments, you add new variables, you're going to change the environment, are you not? Yes. Well, with the future of supply chain technology, what issue, good or bad, do you think will arise? What's one key issue you think will arise over the next five years? Hmm. The uh, well, you know, we're. What we're looking at today is is sustainability, of course, and that's a common topic. And we've started integrating a lot of the sustainability in, and it at least making it transparent. So whenever you choose uh, to move via air, you know what that's going to look like. If you choose moving over ocean, a lot, you know, uh, uh, better sustainability. You trade it off for lead time or how long that takes. The other area that we're investigating pretty closely is. Uh, the taking advantage of autonomous trucking. And so that'll completely change the way that the trucking works. And, you know, there's experiments in different areas, Texas, uh, Montana, on uh, uh, platooning and, and, and areas like that, that, you know, we're, we're keeping track of that, you know, that'll, you know, the driver shortage issues and those type of issues that we're struggling with today, you know, it'll turn into something completely different. So, you know, those are a couple of areas, I believe that, uh, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, needs to stay in tune with and the more advanced technologies need to be ready to take advantage of it as soon as uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the underlying data in, in, the, in, in the case of uh, autonomous vehicles, the vehicles are available. 
Glenn, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights with us. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you, your family, and the Bloom Global family as well. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you all. Thanks, guys. Thank all right, we got one awesome more guest. Stuff. One more guest before we send you back to the event. Well, I guess this is this is the event. Well, I guess yeah, Sam, hey, he's we, the CEO hey, what are you talking about? over at Cargo. I love the brick wall, too, Sam. Where are you sitting right now? Uh, in our offices here in San Francisco. Beautiful. Oh, Lovely. Beautiful, the Bay beautiful. Area. How are things today out there? Uh, a little chilly now, actually. <laughs> I was expecting uh, warm California winters, but here in San Francisco, you never know what you're going to get. I hear you. I hear you. Well, you know, today I, I can tell the audience what they're going to get. We're going to talk a little bit about verticalization. But yeah. before we jump into it, what does that word mean right now in 2021? Yeah, I think uh, what it means is that a variety of different stakeholders in supply chain, right? Uh, everyone interacts in a lot of different ways. And verticalization means that a lot of these different services, a lot of these different companies are coming under one umbrella to offer a more holistic suite of solutions uh, for good and bad. Okay, so let's talk about this. What what are the pros and cons behind verticalization? Yeah, I think that uh, it makes a lot of sense, especially in this market. Uh, ocean carriers are seeing record margins. Really, a lot of logistic service providers are seeing record margins dealing with this uh, capacity crunch. And really, the, the core business drivers for verticalization um, is to be able to diversify your revenue stream. So if you have a core competency in one area of the supply chain, uh, you might acquire a partner with uh, another company in a different part of the supply chain. Uh, you might acquire a competitor to grow market share. Uh, but really, the main driver, especially in 2021, is visibility. And the reality is that we are now seeing a, not just a nice-to-have, but a critical need for all these different uh, supply chain companies to communicate, to understand what's happening upstream and downstream. And so what we're seeing is uh, a fundamental change in the market where uh, shippers are acquiring their logistics partners to have more resilient supply chains uh, and in a better hold on visibility downstream of their products. You're seeing carriers, uh, ocean carriers get into e-commerce uh, to provide more holistic solutions for their customers. And all of it is driven by this desperate need for supply chain resiliency and visibility. So let's talk about that. Yeah. What has been the reason for the rise in vertical integration in 21? And what's that going to mean as we go into 22? Yeah, I mean, I saw a statistic. It was absurd. 84% increase in M&As in the logistics center compared to 2019. Right, right. Uh, we're seeing a huge consolidation, really driven by the record margin and opportunity to invest. Uh, and consolidation and verticalization is really a boom and bust cycle. We see it every time when margins are high, companies want to acquire market share, they want to uh, partner uh, and increase their revenues, diversify their revenue streams. But the reality is when, when times change, as they inevitably will, the consolidation means that one company can't see all of their core competency under one roof. And so instead... You know, the way we should be thinking about it is investing those record margins, not into verticalizing the supply chain stack, but instead investing in technology to provide the same benefits of visibility and supply chain resiliency, creating one source of truth across the entire supply chain. So what you're saying is is take a different take a different tact instead of the consolidation of the actual physical uh, companies, which w which I would argue would kind of uh, eliminate a lot of the smaller niche type of players in this and make it much more difficult to enter and, and provide those services, but provide those platforms where you can integrate and collaborate all those different entities and have a virtual let's say uh, a virtual verticalization, if you will. 
Exactly. Don't verticalize on a company level when you can uh, verticalize on a supply chain and visibility level. Yeah. I think that's super crucial. Invest in technology now so that the high margins that we're seeing in today's market are not just a fleeting instance, but actually technology that will increase margins for the long run actually make logistics a high margin business. We can achieve that by investing in a single source of truth so that if you're an ocean carrier, you have visibility into perhaps shippers, manufacturing facilities in uh, in Asia. And then if you're a logistics service provider, freight forwarder, uh, e-commerce distributor, you know when that freight's coming off the ocean carrier. There needs to be an infrastructure, fundamentally new paradigm to be able to make decisions in real time. And companies over the last five years have made huge strides in our ability to be able to track uh, modes of transportation, right? Project 44 was on here earlier talking about tracking uh, uh, you know, ocean uh, carriers. And we weren't able to do that with that amount of data five years ago. But we're still, as an industry, really bad at tracking core underlying asset, the actual good that is being shipped from point A to point B point B to point C. And there needs to be a complete overhaul in thinking about what infrastructure we have to be able to see how that material moves across the supply chain proactively so that every stakeholder can make uh, real-time decision-making as things change in the supply chain. Sam, have you seen any uh, data on Doc's performance, especially in Q4 here? When I talk to a lot of truck drivers, and they're always complaining about how long it takes to move freight, 12-hour wait times. Uh, we were looking at wait times in, in Sonar just recently. I believe yeah. they were back up to 131. It's, yeah. it's been long and extended. And over at Cargo, you guys deal with stuff like this by uh, making some great docs. Talk a little bit about that. Exactly. So, yeah, at Cargo, uh, we believe that supply chain visibility, it's a it's an overused term, frankly. There needs to be some real meaningful impact for every industrial facility independently. And loading docks then act as nodes on this interconnected network, which is the supply chain. What we've seen with a lot of our customers is that they cannot actually run their facilities uh, at their absolute peak. These are critical transloading facilities that are the next step uh, in the chain for reducing our port congestion. And they're only running their facilities at 60 or 70% capacity because they simply can't staff uh, their workforce fast enough and consistent enough. And so where we're helping out there is by alleviating this issue, by automating some of the most dangerous, some most repetitive tasks of freight inbound and outbound inspection. So you can do more with less. You can uh, put more freight through one uh, transload facility. You can be able to inspect and support more customers with the same workforce. That is where technology needs to help out. It needs to work with our existing labor workforce to augment so we can do more with less. A absolutely, uh, Sam. And, and here, here's, here's the thing. When we talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the future supply chain, and it needs a single source of truth, right? It, it, it also needs multiple reactions to that, right? Just getting that visibility. A lot of people, they see that visibility and they're like, okay, now I can plan because I know yeah. where this stuff is. That's not the end goal, is it? No, I mean, there has to be, you know, knowing is the first step, right? And if you understand where your issues are in real time, at least uh, there's a way for you to react to it. But I think what was extremely exciting is now instead of reactive action, now you can have proactive action. You can mm -hmm. build systems that will automatically uh, route freight, automatically pay for freight, automatically and dynamically change capacity based off this real-time information. But in order to do so, we need to rethink how we're creating this visibility infrastructure. Uh, cargo does this for loading docks and for inbound and outbound freight. 
any uh, company that's on our platform has a consistent, systematic way to track when they are moving pallets in and out of their facilities, floor load containers um, as well. And so they understand damage, shortages, overages, and then you can start building automated systems to perhaps uh, send another truck, send another container, uh, you know, paired together a couple shipments on one container if there's more capacity automatically on top of that, removing the human decision-making, the human bias that is done currently. But having the right information, the actual source of the truth is still the first step. Right. And, you know, we still have a lot of work to get to get to that point. Now, Sam, we've really enjoyed our discussion with you. We learned mm-hmm. a lot and we, we appreciate it. Before we let you go, as we're running out of time here on the show, is uh, what, what you as a CEO, what do you think is the ultimate key to throwing a great holiday party this time of year? <laughs> Uh, I think it's about having uh, your team with you. Ultimately, you know, you can have all the bells and whistles, but your team is what's going to make the event extremely special. If you're there with uh, the people that you love being kind of in the trenches with, uh, then that's what's going to make it uh, the best experience. I love it. Family is where the heart is. Even more prescient and important in this virtual world or hybrid world that a lot of us have been living in. It's a great opportunity to see a lot of teammates that joined along the year that you may not have even seen either. Yeah, they may absolutely. Not even know. They're just names in Slack. Put faces to them. Sam, yeah. great time. Where do people go to learn more about Cargo? Yeah, go to mycargo.com, Cargo with a K. Uh, check us out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Thanks, Sam. Michael Vincent, before we return you back to our regularly scheduled program, we have a couple things coming up. We've got Tech in Action, Better Together, how two pharma brands leverage advanced visibility for critical data sharing. That's going to have Hannah Moore from P44, so another Project 44 person coming up, and Mike Edwards, so two Project 44 workers. Uh, you got a yeah, double dose of them. Talking about an industry that is in the forefront, right? And yeah. has been for the last couple of years. Pharma and digital, uh, you know, the visibility for critical data sharing. Now, I'm Nothing gonna, more important, right? I'm going to fangirl out for huh. our next fireside chat, the one that's happening, how maritime is affecting the domestic supply chain. Because all year long, yeah. I've been reading John Monroe's newsletter that I get in my inbox. If I, I recommend yep. you reach out to John Absolutely. Monroe Consulting, get on his newsletter. He really breaks down the issues that are going on in the ocean freight. He cuts through some of the noise, some of the the BS that we hear coming out of different intermediaries, sure. different ports, things like that, and gives you the real truth. And of course, Greg Miller, who's just done an insanely good year of covering ocean freight for us here at Freightways on the American Shipper and the Freightwave side. I can't wait until they get, get into because, you know, some of the arguments around ocean freight too, Yeah, they've gotten... Well, I don't know. I want to maybe a little bit bloodier since a couple months ago, even when I think uh, when was Gene Soroka on F? Was that F three that he it was, was F three? I think. And yeah. ever since that, the vessel count started to change. Yeah, things that they were saying yeah, were coming yeah, to yeah. fruition, and the conversation, the heat has been turned up much higher on what's going on in SoCal. No, and you need and that makes John Monroe and, and Greg Miller and the like uh, much more important. Yeah. Right, because that that what we're going to be discussing more and more is is possibility of nationalism. The the industry needs to know what's going on. It's got to get the truth out there as to what is going on and show the improvements that the private sector is making. Right. I hear you. Hey, everyone, we will be back Friday with another What the Truck. It's a very What the Truck Christmas. It's our last show of the year. Project 44's Jeff McCandless will be there. We're going to hear from so many people in the industry who sent us office cheer and songs. You know, there might be a little bit of news. Mostly a fluff show. I mean, it's our Christmas yeah. show. We'll be in costume. There'll be a snow machine. We Craig Fuller might have a message for the freight community as well. It's going to be a good time. But stay tuned for the rest of the Domestic Supply Chain Summit. Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Duna. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>